So we've done a few episodes now and we haven't scared everybody away. In fact, more and more people seem to be listening to the podcast. Thanks for everybody who's tuning in every two weeks to hear about some wonderful running book. Um, of course, we think they're wonderful. That's what we love. So we thought we might try something different. Hey, um, this time, Liz? Yeah, we thought um, because we actually realized on a run that we've learned quite a few things from all these books we've been reading. And we thought we would reflect on that a little bit. Okay, so we're going to go through our um, first 10 books, so the first 10 episodes, and just reflect a little bit and see what we've learned. Because talking as we've, we've sort of gone through, we seem to pick things up and then we go back to them later. So it might be good to just go back and, and just touch, touch base on each book and uh, see what our listeners think of that. Maybe it'll inspire them to go and go back and listen to our previous episodes if they haven't. Or buy the previous books if they haven't. Uh, that, that would be a good outcome, I think. Okay, so let's give it a try. Okay, so hi and welcome to the Running Book Reviews podcast where we review running books to help you decide if you would like to read the book for yourself. We also hope that listening to us chat about running can help keep you motivated about your own running or maybe inspire you to try something new. My name is Elizabeth Macrusa and my co-host Alan Miller are going to do uh, something a little different today because we don't have an author with us and we are not reviewing one specific book. We've realized uh, that we've actually learned a lot of things from the book reviews we've done and the books we've read, and uh, we wanted to share that uh, with you a little bit. So we chose our uh, the, the first 10 books that we reviewed on the podcast, so starting with um, The Hansen's Marathon Method by Luke Humphrey. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, this book has had a huge effect on my training. I, I completely tried the, the whole plan, uh, the marathon plan. Uh, but more specifically, I guess um, the other little small things that I learned were uh, the carb calculator. So the, the number of grams of carbs that you need to ingest during the marathon itself I actually learned that I was not nearly, not even in the ballpark that I should have been in. And um, during my last marathon, I, uh, I had uh, more gel. <laughs> so that was, that was one thing I learned. I think that's one of the things I haven't learned yet. Because I often oh. bonk towards the end of a marathon. I'm probably underfed. Alan, um, it's a game changer. Game uh, changer. Calculations are... Are boring so I can never do them but <laughs> you're good at that technical stuff so I'll get you to calculate uh, how, I, how many gels I should be taking next time we do a marathon yes I'll calculate it for you I'm telling you it makes a huge difference and also um, front-loading the ingestion of the gels because uh, in the book they explained how your your digestive system is more ready to absorb calories when it's not when the blood's not being diverted to your legs towards the end of the marathon and uh, most people know how you feel kind of a little bit um, nauseous kind of at the end and it's hard to get a gel down so what i did was i actually took one of the gels before even starting the marathon right at the start line 
And then I was taking them a lot earlier than I used to take them. And more frequently because I had to eat more of them. So that's a good, uh, I guess that's a good take home. Um, the, thing that, the thing that I picked up off for Hansen was probably just trying to do a program that involved six days of running. I've got a bit more time available to me. So rather than do, um, I was doing five days maximum with a big long weekend effort and to tone that down a bit go for six days and build a stronger base and i feel that i don't know that uh, it's going to be a game changer for me but i feel that i have a stronger base now to launch my next you know whatever it is you're going to do next um i feel a little bit stronger and more capable of sustaining that um, and for anybody who's struggling with their marathon uh, training program and don't feel it's working for them um, I would say the Hansen Marathon Method certainly give it a try. It's worth it's worth a go. The idea is tone down your your crazy long run, just proving to yourself that you can do the distance. Forget that. Build your base by doing some strong tempo runs and uh, a six day program. Mm-hmm. And actually, your mileage was actually less than you were doing longer long runs before. Now you're doing shorter long runs on the weekend, but your overall mileage, if you look at your week, is like, uh, you know, at least, more. Yeah, yeah, at least 20 kilometers more. And uh, I, I see uh, people are still, even though that was our very first um, uh, podcast, people are still listening to that podcast because the, the Hanson Marathon Method is uh, a perennial thing and uh, we see it ticking up every, every week. Somebody's listening to it. So good on you, as the Aussies say. Um, next one is Kixology. So um, what, what did you get out of Kixology? Other than, other than uh, just looking at all those running shoes, and all those <laughs> different running shoes. And I guess it was, it was a little bit of a history trip for me as well because I mm-hmm. remember further back than you. Yeah, I, I liked learning about the history because I have to say that until recently, I didn't know anything about shoes. And I thought I knew about shoes. But when I read Kixology, I, yeah, I realized that I don't know as much about shoes as Brian Metzler, that's for sure. Well, there are not many people who do. I think the, the many, many things we could talk about. But if I was to just pick one thing, I would say, um, uh, and you've heard me say this a lot, I would say the discovery of PBA or PBAX as a midsole mm-hmm. material. You've seen me over the last three months trip out on this. And basically my view, and this is just my own view, but my view is that that material is the secret in the, in the original Nike shoes. Whereas everybody was talking about carbon plates, but in fact, the big, the big benefit comes from the new midsole material, which is PBAX. And not everybody in the shoe manufacturing world picked up on that. One company that did was Saucony. And we see with Saucony's and Dolphin series, they may have on their hands a new game changer mm-hmm. um, based upon this. This, And I've followed it now. Every shoe that comes out that's, that has PBAX midsole. Um, and I love shoes with that. I've gotten a little bit off Nike and Nike shoes. And you'll understand why when we eventually get around to reviewing when it all costs, which is coming up on our agenda. But to have an alternate choice with PBAX, which is the Saucony and Dolphin Pros that I have, I would say they're the best pair of shoes I've ever owned. Yeah. But thank you, Brian, for pointing me in that direction. So um, the I guess I picked out uh, 
one little thing I kind of I kind of figured you were going to comment about the peabacks so um, I tried to think of something different so I um, I guess it's the fact that shoes will get old even if you don't wear them so I used to do this kind of thing where I would um, I would find the old version on sale because the new version was out and I would buy it like because I run with a different shoe in the winter to you know uh, I always choose something with Gore-Tex that I don't really necessarily like to run with because they tend to be heavy shoes. But for the winter, it's fantastic because it keeps your feet warm and dry. So what I'll do is I will find them on sale and it'll be like last year's version, which is not so bad, or the version before and it'll be much cheaper because Gore-Tex shoes tend to be on the expensive side. And then I'll keep them for next winter or, or you know, whenever I need a new pair. And um, yeah, the the fact that uh, they get old even if you don't wear them. Now I'm a lot more careful. I'm like, oh, they're on sale, but what version are they at? And what version is this? And so I'll kind of, I'm like more picky and I'll pay more for my shoes because, yeah, because there's no point in buying uh, a brand new shoe that you take out of the box and it feels like a rock because your midsole has degraded. <laughs> it also gives you a good excuse to buy new shoes. You go, oh, those are old now. They've been in the box for... <laughs> Oh, weeks. Oh, oh, almost three weeks. I'll need a new pair. <laughs> As if I need an excuse for that. <laughs> okay. So that brings us on to um, Running Rewired, J.D. Sherry. What's your take on message from Running Rewired, Liz? Uh, so I started to pay more attention to stability. Um, more precisely, I guess, like foot stability, you know, and... Um, those exercises that a lot of us think are kind of useless or that I used to, I used to sort of skip over those. So we used to have this plan at Concordia for weight training and uh, you would have the, the, the traditional exercises with like dumbbells or something like that. And then we would have this one, I remember it was like a, it was just an exercise where you were sort of on one knee with one leg out in front and you were sort of moving back and forth to stretch your hip flexors. And I really never, never Got thought it. much, never yeah. thought much about it. I was kind of like, well, this is sort of useless. I'm just going to skip this one to save time. That was always the exercise I would skip if I didn't have enough time. Um, most of the time I did them all, but like if I was crunched, that's what I would skip. And I realized with uh, Jay DeSherry's um, book, how how actually part of the benefits of strength training are not just the muscular benefits, but it's also the neurological benefits from rewiring sort of how you, how you use your muscles and how you move your body. So that was the one thing that I learned from that one. I guess my, uh, my take-home messages would, would echo that a bit. Um, I think I went from, look, I don't have time for all this stuff. Um, I just want to run to hey, I must make time for this stuff. It's a, it's a significant game changer and can take your running forward. And I feel it has done this year. Um, that's where my using some of the exercises from Jay to Sherry's book, um, where my running started to improve again. And I've sort of taken it from there with uh, various other things building onto that. I can now, uh, and I'm doing it now as we talk, I can now do um, really good foot yoga. Um, which I didn't even know what it was. And when I tried to do it first, when I read the book, I thought, oh, my feet don't do that. They're, <laughs> they're just sitting there. My toes were just sitting there doing nothing. And, and now I can, I can 
I can do the movements exactly as Jay sort of does them because I just practiced every day. And, you know, I've, that's a small thing, but it's reprogramming your, 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 your nerves, mm-hmm. your neural pathways. And, you know, it builds from there into uh, ankle stability and uh, every, all of your running sits on your ankles. Mm-hmm. Um, for, the, for the people who are listening to me talking about foot yoga, who don't know what on earth I'm talking about, Go and read the book, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's a small exercise, and Jay gives a lot of exercises to diagnose um, what might and might not be useful to you to develop your, your, your strength or uh, your stability. And, and you and I, sorry, I think- just, just before you get on to toe mm-hmm. yoga, you, you and I have also started doing some exercises from Jay's book before we run sometimes. Yep. Um, so we've actually built that into our program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say about the toe yoga that it's on um, uh, YouTube, I think. I think Jay DeSherry, oh, for sure. he's got a couple a couple videos, not very many, but uh, I think that's uh, that's a good place where people can go at least see what, what we're talking about. <laughs> um, I think it's also worth mentioning um, sort of how to, how to place the workouts into an overall plan because he does talk about that a little bit as well. And he uh, says about the power exercises. So some of the, some of the, like he's got several plans and he's got some that are more for like power development. And the fact that uh, those, those plans are not usually for year round, you should do them strategically in like the six week period, building up to your goal race and not the whole year. That was interesting. Okay, a more difficult one for you. That was an easy. That was an easy book for you to give. That was easy. Feedback. More difficult one for you to give feedback on probably would be Runner by Lizzie Hawker. Story of Lizzie Hawker's uh, running career and her her childhood mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, yeah, that's why you're gonna. That? That's <laughs> why you're gonna go first on that one because. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, um, the the Lizzie Hawker book is very much a story told by Lizzie about her approach. And I think what, what I get from that is more of an inspiration. So just watching her attitude, her approach to things, how humble she is, how grateful she is, how thoughtful she is, how accepting. She, she never really gets big-headed about winning things. She's always looking for a challenge. And she somehow gets over all of the challenges and problems that she has. And she has massive series of injuries. So I think for me, the whole thing was a book as a whole and a motivational, inspirational. I mean, I just found the tone, the tone of Lizzie, you know, once I'd read the book, like she became one of my heroes because of her character. And that's so inspiring as a runner. Apart from the fact she also has one big chapter where she's in the Himalayas and she loves the Himalayas. And uh, two years ago, I spent a few weeks in the Himalayas doing one of her events and also doing some other hiking and and running. Um, So it was just a trip down memory lane of my time in the Himalayas. So if you put those two things together, I found this book to be uh, incredible in terms of the effect it had on me. but that's a very personal thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have to listen to our podcast and see if it's for you. Yes, because well, uh, I mean, it was it was a good book. I I can't say that there's any r- books about running that I don't like because 
I like running and I like books. So um, it's just that because it's uh, very specific, like she does a lot of that Himalaya, um, like she runs from Kathmandu to Everest Base Camp. And she, she talks a lot about all those little villages that she runs through. And for me, it was just um, like, there's no recognition in any of the names, like in my brain. So, so sometimes uh, it was a little bit the scenario where my eyes would glaze over. (laughs) Then I had to reread part of the page, like part of the, part of the last page to make sure I didn't miss something. Um, But there were a few interesting things that I found out like I never knew that there was such a thing as a a 24-hour race where people just run around a track for 24 hours and it's whoever gets the furthest that wins I didn't know that existed and we discovered that in her book and then we discovered it again a bit later on, didn't we? Mm-hmm. we talking to a Darren Finn. We did. And then also the that there is a world championship for this event. So I didn't know it even existed, but there's a world championship for this event. And Lizzie Hawker was actually on the team for Great Britain, I think. Yeah, something. Yeah, and she, she was, I think she set a world record at the time. Yeah, so, so it, it, yeah, this was a whole section of running that I was completely oblivious to, so... So I was happy to learn something new. Absolutely crazy. You won't catch me running around the track for 24 hours. Yeah. That's or maybe I would, I would, you know, take like a four hour nap in there somewhere because once it gets dark, you know, you're, it's sleeping time. I think I would probably get a right hip problem. I would have to run like one lap. I was running for lots and lots of hours. I'd have to run one lap clockwise and one lap counterclockwise <laughs> to even out the wear. Okay, so, um, you know, if that was one of my heroes, um, the next book was one of your heroes, if not the hero uh, of yours, um, Strong by Cara Goucher. Yeah, so so I, I love Cara Goucher, and um, in her book, so her book was about, about confidence and all the techniques you can use um, to gain confidence and to be more confident in your running, and I guess in the rest of your life, too. So one of the things that I learned were that lucky socks are real and there's a name for it. It's called enclosed cognition. So I yes. did, I, yeah, I didn't know that it was like a real thing. I, you know, I figured it was all in my head, but it, it seems like elites use this. You know, when you, when you go to a race and you have a routine where you wear like your team singlet and your lucky socks. I had these lucky socks for a while and you can hear about that in the episode we did. And you just feel fast. And you just feel fast. Uh, And uh, also the confidence journaling that I'm not very good at executing, but, but that I, that, you know, she taught me about you're way ahead of me on that one. Yeah. I think, I think the things that I learned was, you know, from a confidence journal point of view, even the best, 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 best runners have sort of imposter syndrome and difficulty with their mentality around their run not going well or things not working out how it's supposed to be. And that even though it sounds a bit, I don't know, soft, uh, making a confidence journal doesn't cost you really anything. I've been doing it since we did the book, all up until, it's current up until yesterday. But it, it just wow. has things, it just has things in it like, um, Hill training was tough, got soaked, but I'm getting stronger every time I climb these hills, just to encourage you to sort of keep going. And, and it's good to look back on those things. And it's just one more way you can keep your mental focus and not 
not, not let the process get you down because uh, loving the process is part of the deal. Which brings us to the next book. Yeah, that was a deliberate uh, <laughs> segue for The Happy Runner uh, by David and Megan Roche. Yeah, so I guess in this one, um, I learned about the importance of being happy for your performance. And um, yeah, it was because David, uh, David and Megan, they gave a bunch of examples of runners that are, you know, top names that uh, before they kind of had their breakthroughs, they were sort of they were sort of unhappy for different reasons and they uh, they stopped caring about performance and just became happier with the process and their performance improved. And sometimes it improved quicker and more than they expected. That's what I got out of that book. The big take home message for me, and um, it's clear um, if you listen to our podcast, because at some stage I go, I went, wow, aha, you know, this is the, you know, all the angels are singing and this is a sort of revelation for me was the, um, the little discussion on speed before strength. So you go, well, this is counterintuitive. Unless you've done lots and lots of work, you can't get fast. But in fact, what David and Megan are saying is, no, no, no. When you're doing your easy run, you need to learn to be fast by doing a little bit, just doing little pickups and teaching your body to be efficient with its speed. So do the strides at the end of your easy run. Don't work, do mostly easy runs, but just do a little tiny bit of speed. And then you find when you come to your harder runs and you've got to do it for longer, that that's more you're more efficient with it and um, it, it delivers better results. And not only did, did it, for me, did it deliver better results, but, but incredible uh, improvements. I think I, I shocked quite a lot of people in the club. I should be in decline now and I've been mm -hmm. getting faster and faster. So this was, for me, this was a tiny sort of thing and i thought no oh, no it doesn't seem right and then when i thought about it and tried it it works so and in terms of loving the process um you couldn't get a better book to uh to read at this point when there's no where there's no races mm -hmm. if you're if you're running now uh purely grinding out a training program to achieve i don't know some sort of result in a race well there aren't many races around no nope. so, um you know, you, you should be really get reorientated to loving the process. One, you'll be much happier now when there aren't many races around. Two, when the races come around, you're going to be such a better performer. And we see uh, with, you know, a lot of the world record attempts and fastest known time attempts, people are, in fact, embracing their process and certainly producing fantastic results. So that's Happy Runner. So the next one is uh this was my inspirational book actually uh, running the dream by matt fitzgerald so the the one thing i got out of this book was really you never know where your limits are like you don't know when your marathon will be your fastest one ever so yeah you just have to follow the plan and and hope for the best. Um, I love to hear about about his experience with um, with the Hoka team. So the the Nazalit teams, yeah, it inspired me to to do a lot of the extras, uh, but do them do them better. Like not just the running, but also the you know the 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 core and the strength training and all that. But you know, I was doing some of that before, but now I really 
sort of, I, I focus more while I'm doing it. It's not just like running through, like getting through the exercises. It's more intentional. I, th- I think the take home message that I got was the pros are right. And Matt actually told us that, didn't he? Uh, he did. Th- these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> they absolutely know what they're doing. So the, the, pros, the pros are right. What they're doing is right. But that figures, you know, they're pros. So why wouldn't they be doing the right thing? But I think the, the, the real take-up message is even though they're pros, you can learn at your level how they're doing what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, what their motivation is around what they're doing, and do not exactly what they're doing, but something at your level that mimics their approach and that you can sort of copy their basic approach without having the ability to run at their speed or sustain their training or have access to a sports psychologist uh, <laughs> every time you need one. Although I'm here for you. Um, uh, I'm not a sports psychologist, by the way. <laughs> um, that's uh, you know, a great revelation. Um, apart from the fact that it was just a huge amount of fun to talk with Matt. Um, I think Matt was the first author we ever spoke with and, uh, out of the book. was. Um, yeah, we went big. Yeah, and it, it was just so much fun to chat with him. He's, he's such a nice guy. Uh, and I found Running the Dream to be one of the easiest books to read. Yeah. Uh, it was so easy to read. Probably mm-hmm. that, and maybe it's just the style of book that I like, but probably that and Rise of the Ultra Runners by Adarin and uh, Finn were the two easiest books. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read it, go out and read it. It's easy to read. It is. Um, so the next book, uh, Girls Running by Melody Fairchild and Elizabeth Carey. So um, this book, is meant for uh, for young girls, but there was a lot in it that could uh, that could benefit you know young women. It, it it is sort of geared towards women more, women and girls. But you know, boys can read it too because they will know what's going on with their female training partners or um, daughters or you know the women in your life. And I really loved having these two authors on. They were, they were kind of nice to chat with as well. Um, so the one thing that I learned from this book was how uh, performance progression for girls is less linear than for boys. And yeah, I was, um, because I kind of expected when I was a teen and I was running track, I expected my progression to be linear. And I sort of like hit a point where I was kind of plateauing and maybe like the performance was decreasing a little bit. And then, uh, and then I moved on to different things. I kind of quit running there and came back to it later when I was in my early twenties. And having known that back then, maybe I would have stuck it out a little bit more um, because, you know, just, just figured it was part of the process rather than think uh, it was the end of the road. Yeah. Um, Rather than just kind of think, oh, well, I'm just not good at this. I'm going to move on to, you know, getting a job and other things that, you know, 16, 17-year-old teenagers end up doing. And uh, the, the, the other thing that came out of our, more out of the conversation that we had, but how common the toxic teen culture is in university teams. You know, for me, I had never experienced that and... I had just kind of heard about it, you know, a couple times from other people. I didn't know it was so such a big issue. 
and uh, also that most girls who win when they're young don't end up making the Olympic teams. It's sort of like it's not the same girls. So there's a big disconnect there. I didn't realize that until until it was brought up in the book. Yeah, I think it was it was an eye opener for me being uh, being not a girl. Um, so it was an eye opener for me to just realize you know, how much difficulty or challenge there can be either um, physiologically with the way girls develop or um, psychologically with, you know, things like toxic team culture or boys' attitudes towards girls, not bullying, but putting them down and, um, or devaluing them in some way. You know, being a boy and having developed through a male culture, uh, that was just, you know, part of the chat. and didn't really think about it as this is a, has a real effect on people and uh, affects their ability to develop within within the sport. So, so counterintuitively, uh, I actually got quite a lot out of the, the book, re- reading the book, but also even more so talking with uh, Melody Fairchild and Elizabeth Carey, who are two fabulous people in, in women's junior athletics. Um, really quite wonderful. The story, it brought back to the story of uh, um, Nike and the Oregon Project and Mary Kane and uh, the bad treatment she had. Um, so it reinforced it that, that for me that, you know, I need to support people in the sport who are right-minded. I think it was after I read this book that I, uh, that I uh, went immediately to... Um, to Karagacha's website. It's not Karagacha's website, but it's uh, the uh, Clean Sport Collective, and signed the uh, and signed the uh, uh, what would you call it? I think it's a pledge. Or, so, yeah, that's it. A yeah. pledge. Yeah, I've forgotten the word. Signed the pledge on the Clean Sport Collective to say, you know, I need to be a bit more right-minded about sport. It's a bit of a gesture from me. I mean, I'm not a big company or a professional athlete, but I'm just saying, yeah, I agree with that stuff. And you know, if I have a choice of where I'm going to put my dollars. I'll try and put my dollars with people who are signing that. Let me have a look, see which mm-hmm. companies have signed it. So that was a good social development thing for me. Thank you, Melody Fairchild and Elizabeth Carey for taking me there. Okay, that brings us to North. Mm-hmm. By yeah. Scott Jurek. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, so this was kind of a, a storybook. Um, this one, even though it was another trail book, I found this one a little easier to read. Than the than runner because uh, because he was more I guess I guess it was more uh, focused on the the people the characters um, and uh, maybe I started knowing a little bit more about trail running so like some of the names popped out a little bit more um, the one thing I guess I learned that I I didn't really know existed uh, was the whole concept of uh, FKT, which is fastest known time. Uh, so apparently there's a website and, you know, people can attempt these fastest known times for some meaningful uh, distance, like the Appalachian Trail, which is what Scott Jurek did. Uh, so that was uh, that was kind of an eye opener for me. Other than that, I, I can also confirm that I have no desire to run the Appalachian Trail. It sounds super dangerous. And like, I think my running career is going to be over if I go run there <laughs> with all his stories about, uh, you know, about people getting lost when they're like a couple meters, they step off the trail to go and 
and have a pee in the woods and they get lost and never find their way back to the trail. Um, so there were a couple of those stories in that book um, because apparently people have died on that trail. And uh, yeah, that was enough to be like, no, it's okay. Road is great. If I get lost, I have GPS. Someone will show me direction. Don't worry, Liz. I won't make you go on your own on a compilation trail. You're still worried about it, having read the book. Like it was a month ago when we read the book. You're still worried about getting lost on the trail. I am. I am. And there's, there's quite a section on that in our discussion on the on the podcast uh, concerning North. I think uh, a couple of things in North, and it was great talking with our buddy Nestor, who actually met Scott Jurek while he was running on the Appalachian Trail. So we got first-hand reports from. Mm-hmm. from the experience I, th- I think uh, a couple of things that struck me was you know how what an incredible athlete Scott Turek is in terms of what well, one is his physical ability to take on the thing but his mental is his mental ability to to respond to a challenge I think is we got a little bit of insight in in the next book that we're going to talk about about mental ability of ultra runners um but what a, what a just a crazy, fantastic uh, athlete he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and having said that, also how arrogant he was going into the, to the that kind of surprised me because he wrote the book, but he was honest enough to kind of portray in the book the fact that he was, he went in underprepared, a bit blasé, somewhat arrogant saying oh you know i've done all these things in my history so you know another one uh, i'm ready mm-hmm. i know i don't understand really what i'm doing but i know how to run for a long time that's it it'll all be fine and he was sort of honest enough to kind of admit that and i was pleased to see that you know he sort of transformed as he was running and i guess the take on messages stay humble out there because uh, sooner or later you're going to come across an event it's going to humble you a lot. But yeah, fantastic story. He's a great person too, because he, uh, you know, he's at the end, he helps uh, his, his, uh, another trail runner, one of his friends that helped him during his uh, yeah. fastest no time attempt. And he helps him the year after to Calm basically, up. basically beat the, um, to beat the his fastest, own time. Yeah, yeah. To beat his own time. So it really shows like he, you know, he just enjoys the sport and, you know, he's a great athlete, but he also, you know, wants to contribute and is, um, is happy to be a team player. True that. Okay. Um, that brings us on to the, to the last book that we're talking about today. Um, the Rise of the Ultra Runners by Darren Ann Finn. So this book, uh, I mean, it was a story about, uh, ultra running and, um, I was happy that I already knew a little bit about ultra running from North and from runner because some of it was a bit more familiar, but, uh, and also because of you, because you ran the UTMB and, and, because, of your, and because of yourself, you ran the Transal Cooks, uh, five day, uh, yes. five day run in the, in the mountains of Revelstoke. In, I'm not in sure Colombia. that that deserves any credit though, because when I hear about the the ultra running Adaranan did and my ultra running where I run one stage per day and I get to sleep at night and have food in between like not at all the yeah. same it's, it's my kind of ultra running though I like yeah that. me you too get to sleep at night and have food <laughs> and uh, you don't get eaten by a bear and you don't meet one and you don't hallucinate 
and you don't hallucinate. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the thing that Adarnan talks a lot about and that he sort of takes us on his own journey of, uh, of running form, the importance of running form, um, and that he's always kind of working on it and, um, and how yeah. it impacted, you know, his, uh, his ability to run farther because he's kind of injury prone, it sounded like from the beginning of the book. And he, uh, you know, he meets these odd, uh, he does these odd things. So one of them was the Feldenkrais method and um, yes, another, anatomy in motion was another one. Anatomy in motion with Gary. Gary Ward. That's right. Um, and they're a little bit uh, unconventional because it's just like kind of these gentle movements. So it's not like strength training or drills like we're used to doing. It's, it's different. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, it's sort it's sort of he's it's like he's always working on his running form and and explains how that's important and i think that we've become a little bit more uh yeah, focused on that too we've both done the 30-day challenge from james dunn if anyone hasn't heard of james dunn look him up on youtube he offers a three free 30-day challenge for uh, improving your stability and your strength i guess uh as runners um, just practicing a little bit uh, of stuff every day for about 15 minutes and gives us gives you a program and we both followed that program all the way through and uh, found surprisingly good benefits from 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 a Darren's book I think uh, uh, what I got really was a good insight because he was always searching for why do people do this stuff because as you say I think what I say uh, in many of the podcasts is you see people doing these 100 mile ultras you know running through the night or two nights mm-hmm. and they look so crushed <laughs> they, look, they look so sad you know they're shuffling along looking all frowny faced um doubled over and you know they've got no energy and why, why would you choose to be one of those people <laughs> um and, and and yet as i developed my trail running it kind of, it kind of is, trending you there all the time i think a 50k ultra on a 50k on a single day is kind of where i've drawn the line at this point i'm okay to go 50k again the next day if i can have a sleep in between Mm -hmm. Um, but i'm not going uh, 160k through the night through the mountains and, and and getting destroyed and and i'm quite an experienced runner so why do people do this and i think adaranand actually does find some answers to those things. The answer is different for each pe- person, but mm-hmm. and and what we see on the outside of the people is not the reason why they do it. They're not arriving for the medal to be all happy and smiling and get their medal and uh, whatever kudos they get for crossing the finish line. They're looking for something else, I think. Yeah. And and Adaranand gave us some good insight to that in his book and in the chat that we have, which was good. At the same time, because he was doing the UTMB at the end, the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, most prestigious uh, ultra run in Europe, it gave me a chance to relive my experience. I did the OCC, which is kind of the baby run of the UTMB series, um, which usually occurs the day before the big, the big 100 mile run. I think the OCC is about 50 something kilometers, 56 kilometers or something, uh, which I did a few years ago. So I was able to, to sort of relive my experience through reading his book. That's always nice. So 
that was fun to uh, to talk to him about that. And I guess that's our first 10 books. Um, how do you feel about it so far? I very much enjoyed the first 10 books and I very much enjoyed doing this podcast. I find that like we read the books more kind of intentionally. I take more notes while I'm reading. And um, like, I guess that's probably why I get more out of the book too, is because I'm really, uh, you know, paying attention when I'm reading as opposed to kind of just reading it for the story or the, or certain information. Yeah. Those first 10 books have been really great. That's true. I think uh, because we're podcasting them, I've been reading them thinking, well, okay, I need to make a note. Um, and so you retain more. And because you retain mm -hmm. more, you apply it where, where it can be applied. Or you chat about it while you're running, and it's more, it makes the run more fun and more inspiring. Um, so there, there are sort of multiple benefits, I feel, that you know, our running's improving because of it. The feeling of a long training run is more fun because of it. Um, my understanding of the world of running is improving. Mm -hmm. It's fun to talk to people about books. When they've read a book, they say, oh, I've read this book. Why, why don't you do, talk about this book? And then that, that's a fantastic conversation. Maybe we should talk a little bit about um, uh, what's coming up. So books, books that are coming up. And that could be a good idea. I, I guess, um, well, Chasing, Chasing Excellence is obviously one that... In, in but that was number but, 11, which is why yeah. we're not uh, talking about yeah. it right now, because you, you have to put some kind of a limit. Yeah, yeah but we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, um, make podcasts on Born to Run, uh, because if you haven't read Born to Run, you need to be told about it. And if you have, you probably need to read it again, because I've just... We've just read it for the second time and we found all sorts of things in it that we didn't. Yeah, this see the it first was time. it was like not even the same book the second time around. I yeah. mean I, I yeah. I like I read it so long ago I yeah. I didn't really remember everything. Yeah. I just basically remembered what was uh what it was about. But uh oh, I and hope, hopefully we're gonna be talking with Christopher McGoogle about that. Hopefully. Um, so that's to come. Um mm -hmm. we've got um Amanda Brooks coming up uh, in a few weeks with her book Run to the Finish, uh, which is more a book for uh, your everyday runner. So, mm -hmm. you know, less of the superheroes and more of the, the more populist uh, middle of the pack runners. Mm -hmm. so, so that should be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then we have uh, Win at All Costs, which is a book yeah. that's by Matt Hart that's not out yet. It's, uh, it was going to release on the 22nd of September in, in, in Canada at least, but now it's been pushed to October. Yeah. So that, um, that will be, uh, yeah. And that's going to touch on, uh, um, Nike and, um, uh, the Salazar, um, Nike origin project with, uh, Salazar and the subsequent, uh, ruling on Salazar and, uh, what happened within the Nike Oregon project and how Nike dealt with that. So that's, that should be, uh, that should be very interesting. Mm -hmm. Going to be very interested. And we've got a bunch of other things uh, in, in the works, but they're not confirmed yet. So I suppose we shouldn't talk about them because it will look really embarrassing when this comes out and then we can't. Yeah. And then if somebody's really looking forward to that one book and then yeah. we can't put it together, that, that won't work out. Maybe well. what we should say is, um, send us an email if you're, if you're interested or if you have some specific comments on a, on a book that we've already covered or a book that you 
like us to uh, to cover, you know, talk to the author and, and cover the book in detail. Um, if you'd like us to do that um, on a specific book, send us an email and let us know why. We're, we're happy to receive your emails. That would be at runningbookreviews at gmail.com. Yep. Or you can do it the more traditional way um, on social media. So you can just send us a message through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. So on Facebook uh, and Instagram, we're just running book reviews. Um, and then on Twitter, uh, we are reviews underscore running. Uh, so you can leave us a little message there. And I hope, hope everyone's enjoyed our little summary review. Um... Let us know if you think this is a good idea or, you know, every 10 or so episodes, we can do a little summary. So if you don't get time to, to listen to all the uh, in-depth one hour episodes. Um, one hour plus. One hour plus. You can always, the plus, but the plus is free of charge. So uh, <laughs> it's bonus. All bonus. You, if you don't get time to listen to it, you can always listen to a summary review like this and then dip in depending on, oh, that sounds interesting. Just dip into our uh, back catalog. And thank you for listening to another episode of Running Book Reviews. See you next time.